If Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games are what you're into, and the content related to that is what you're looking for. If you want role-playing advice from gamers with a century of gaming experience. If you're looking for content produced for nerds, by nerds. And look no further because we're hanging out in Bill's basement with these nerds. It's Nerdarchy in the Dojo. Support the Dungeon Master's Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer, so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer or three or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Scott. Hey, Bill. Hey, Lou. And I'd also like to introduce both the Nerdarchy crew, uh, Dave and Ted. Awesome to have you guys here. Quick question. Do you guys just power down without beer? Like, in my mind, my headcanon is no beer and you guys are shut down and you're like the Tin Man without oil. Well, there are the mixed drinks for the high-octane evenings. <laughs> yeah, we found out we don't do too well when we don't have a little bit of a libation. Libation, yes, yes. Um, yeah, you're right. We we don't move uh, so well. We're awful squeaky. <laughs> yeah. It helps. Drink responsibly, though. So if you're interested in finding out about Nerdarchy, and you should be, check these guys out on the web at nerdarchy.com. There you can support them on Patreon. They got a ton of cool stuff for their different Patreon levels, so do a little shopping there. You can keep up to date on the cool stuff they're working on and visit the Nerdarchy store for a lot of cool swag, like the Jurassic Park t-shirts. Those are my favorite. (laughs) Nerdarchy's on YouTube. With a catalog of over a thousand videos, that's just a mind-blowing number of videos to go through. So you'll never run out of nerdarchy content to watch. No nerd enterprise is complete without a convention. Yeah, they got that too. For details, check out NerdarchyCon on the web. How do you guys find the time to get all of this stuff done? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. That's just a, a, an insanely in, inspiring amount of content. <laughs> well, we we each have a silacre room. You know, cast that spell. And that multiplies the amount we can do. Just but once you use those spell slots, they're gone forever, sadly. Oh man, if if only we actually had a legitimate simulacrum. Uh, but to, to legitimately answer the question, uh, you know, we've been doing this for you know what almost seven years now, seven years now, something along those lines. Just cross seven. Uh, uh, you know, and you know, initially there were four of us, and it's you know pedaled down the down to two uh but dave works the business full time we've actually you know because of a successful kickstarter uh we've actually brought on a full-time employee besides dave uh so you know that that's quite a lot to get done we've got a lot of uh, awesome people who have uh volunteered by doing content over on the website but you know it's 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 been a project of love it's been a, a project of uh you know, uh, frustration, but, you know, we just got to keep going, keep growing. Uh, that's all part and parcel of what Nerdarchy is. It was very that's cool cool-y. seeing the progression because I think the first video I watched, you and Dave were sitting at one of those round tables outside, you know, they have the chairs. I think it was probably in your backyard or something <laughs> talking about D&D. Uh, well, and now your your production values, like, it's it's awesome. Most most of the videos are recorded, you know, here within uh, my actual basement. 
Uh, but there were there were times where you know uh, we needed to we needed to film more, uh, and it just so happens that uh, Dave is actually my my brother-in-law, and my family gets together quite a lot. Dave has made you know no no few complaints about uh, the amount of family get-togethers. Uh, so there have been many times where, you know, in the early days where we would just bring the camera equipment, uh, you know, like, okay, you know, we're going to disappear for 45 minutes to an hour. And we would just set up a camera, set up, you know, the whole thing and just shoot a couple of videos roll right there uh, and then go back to the family get together. Yeah, I think yeah. if you listen closely in some of those videos, you can like hear the kids splashing around in the pool <laughs> in, you know, in the background, maybe. Yeah, blaming on the neighbors. <laughs> I know I was watching a whole series of videos and, and I was actually amazed that the WD-40 can finally moved after about 12 episodes in the upper left-hand corner. I said, someone finally used that damn WD-40. <laughs> I don't know why it caught my eye. I'm a mechanical guy, so it did. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was thrilled to see yeah. that, that oh. WD-40 I mean, can finally move. <laughs> you know, the, there's, been, there's been so many different iterations as to where the camera is pointing mm. within this basement. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's quite comical. Uh, how much of this area here has all been shown in some way, shape, or form through the years and years worth of videos, the, all the different board game shelves and, you know, RPG shelves and the, the pool table that we've, you know, gamed countless hours on, you know, it's, it's, it's been a process, you know, but, you know, Nerdarchy, you know, had, had stated from the beginning that we, we did want to grow. We did want to, to move, um, you know, and we were always looking to, uh, you know, you know, push that and uh, increase the production value of, of what it was, you know, sink money back into the company or the business, however you want to call it, just so that, you know, we were delivering more to, you know, the, the fans and friends that we had actually made, you know, through doing this. You're you're an inspiration to like the fledgling group that we are. Um, we're, you know, we've just been doing this just for a few months. Um, yeah, there's the beer fairy drinking shrimp cocktails instead. Thank you, darling. Uh, wh when do we get delivery over here? Yeah, it's, it's on its way. <laughs> but yeah, we, we've only been doing this a few months and it's like someday, maybe, maybe we could actually get as good as they. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. We still don't have, we don't have table service when we're filming. <laughs> so I, feel like, I feel like we've got to like work our way up to your level. Well, she, not, she, she just I, goes, I, it's your thing. And I don't know what you're doing, but I'll bring you beer and I'll bring you like right now at the moment, shrimp cocktail. So, uh, um, I, mean, you know. I, I don't, I don't have such high aspirations, but you know, like a, a cheese and cracker plate, you know, could go, uh, you know we've gotten ways. that too, you know, just, Hey, there's pros and cons to every group, pros and cons to every group. I just... So, um, when did you both start playing, uh, tabletop RPGs? Go ahead, Dave. I'm talking a lot. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I feel like I was like around, uh, eight or nine when one of my neighbors showed up with the red box and started showing me that. And uh, he was a little bit older and, and brought me around his friends. And the first thing I actually remember playing was Gamma World. And, oh, uh, Gamma I don't World. even remember. I don't remember the character I made. I don't remember what happened this session. All I remember is my younger brother wanted to play a hawk guy and he had some mutation. So he ended up being like 20 feet tall. <laughs> uh, so like that's my earliest you know recollections would be like I'd probably be another like five to five to you know seven years later I would actually start playing regularly with uh, first edition D&D &D. again cool. that was just like you know one of the older kids in the neighborhood uh played but needed people to play with so he like would play like run the bases with us in soccer and wiffle ball and stuff and like after a game one day, he's like, "Hey, you guys want to check out this game?" And uh, his sister was our age, and I think, you know, he was he was a lot older than us. And uh, that's kind of how that's kind of how I got into it. Sounds familiar. Uh, for, for me personally, uh, like I can't recollect where exactly I got started. Like I know that I I liked video games, and you know. Uh, I started playing on, you know, the, the Atari 2600 and the, the NES, and I played a number of, 
you know, fantasy-esque games. You know, I remember, you know, putting a bunch of hours into playing Dragon Warrior and then Final Fantasy and, you know, the, all the games that came, you know, afterwards. I, I've, you know, got, I mean, you know, we were you know, talking about looking at the different, you know, things things within my basement here uh you know i've i've loved board games for as long as i can remember and i know that i had a whole bunch of those fantasy-esque games you know even from from way back when uh so like i can't you know completely you know pinpoint exactly how i got started or where i got started uh but i know it was somewhere around like the 12 to 14 bracket um you know and i remember playing with you know scouts and some friends from school uh, when they found out that I was actually doing it. So like, you know, there were a handful of groups or a handful of kids that I, I played with, um, you know, but I started at second edition, unlike Dave. Uh, and it was, you know, something that once I started playing and knew how to play properly and not just like, oh, this is storytelling with some kind of mechanical benefit of like, oh, here is what this thing does, um, you know, it, it, you know, the campaigns got more serious and more fun. Uh, but it wasn't until that, you know, a couple of years later that, you know, the concept of an ongoing campaign where you legitimately had a, a, a line drawn of this person is the dungeon master and these people are the, the player characters that stories actually began to, you know, seriously unfold. Awesome. So what are your favorite... Uh... Uh, of the tabletop RPGs, which what are your favorites? Well, I think these pretty obvious. You know, um, looking at our ch- channel, uh, we've been playing Five E for a while now, but uh, yeah, we've dipped into quite a few other games like Star Wars and Mutants of Masterminds, and you know, I, I don't know if I have a favorite, but we always do seem to come find our way back to D and D. That sounds like us. Yeah, they're all great for different reasons, and sometimes it's just like the group you want to play with. So, with that said, what do you guys think about Five E as compared to Two E or or, or Two Point Five or Three? So, I think it's it, to me it's like an aggravation of all the things I liked from all the previous editions. So, it, I think it's the best the best version of D and D. Yeah, I would say fifth, fifth edition. You know, is has gotten. You know everything. You know as close to right as you know you you could get um, for where we are within the tabletop RPG industry. Uh, there's definitely things that you know we've discussed on our channel is that you know where things could go or where they might go. Um, you know things that have been a staple within the rule set of D and D that really like okay you know are you really here is just a hangers on because everyone's used to it. Um, you know, but like D and D has been, you know, for the longest time, this is the thing. Um, you know, even when I'm playing other games, like oh, I'm gaming, but you know, for the most part, people use the term oh, I'm going to go play D and D, even when they're not talking about playing D and D. You know, we we as a group, because Dave and I have been gaming together for you know decades. Uh, it's a scenario where, like, we we were unwilling to branch out into other games. We always just played D anD D for the longest time, and it wasn't until Fourth had come out that we really just didn't feel like it felt like the game we wanted to play. Fourth edition is not a bad rule set, but for us, for our experience, it didn't feel like D anD D. So. That is where we finally, as a group, began reaching out and finding other things. You know, now the games that we play, we not only look to see what new rule set is out there, what what can we explore and play with, but me personally, I look to what is this game doing? How does it break from the typical D20 system? And what things might I steal for my general gaming and for my improvement of D&D. Yeah, I, I, my experience with 4th edition, however brief it was, was very similar. It just didn't feel like, it was like the prequels for Star Wars. It just didn't feel and smell and taste like Star Wars, you know? I actually, uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll differ on the Star Wars opinion, because <laughs> I, I was enough of a Star 
Star Wars nerd that, you know, anything Star Wars new at that point in time, I, yeah, I'll take it. So, but go on. <laughs> so I differ in that, like, we were playing for a, and at that time, someone else, or actually Ted, Ted got invited to play in a Heroes Unlimited game. And, like, I, I weaseled my way into that game. Uh, just because I wanted to play something different. And uh, what I discovered was I didn't really care for that system very much. Like a lot of the Palladium games, I don't like them mechanically. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, there's got to be a better hero game out there. I'm like, I would rather play Marvel Phase Rip. <laughs> and that, that, that quest led me to Champions or Mutants of Masterminds. And one of them was already a D20 game. And I'm like, oh, our group already plays D20. So that's like what kind of like pushed me away from 4e because i didn't mind the system but it was so different from dnd it made it really easy for me to like cheat on dnd with another game because <laughs> they've already kind of like made it so different and then with mutants and masterminds you know it, it you know it was either the first time or the first time in a very long time where i played like a classless system uh so it was definitely a different experience and what we started doing is just using that system to play different genres and, you know, and we did that for a while before 5e came out and we weren't even really like, like we didn't know they were coming out with a new edition. That sounds like kind of what we did. We stumbled into five kind of sort of. Yeah. It's like, what uh, the last minute it's like, wait, do you have another edition out? Yeah. It's just coming out. We should check it out. And yeah, I actually, I was, I was watching your videos and I called Bill and said, Hey, you got to check out this newer edition of D and think it fits our group like really, really well. So um, we did our research, which was uh, drinking beer on my sofa and watching you guys. Yeah, yeah, just... and uh, and and made the decision to you know yeah, bring it up to some the, books. bring it to the table. We picked up some books, brought it to the table, going, "Hey guys, we got a new version. Um, let's make some characters." And it, it, it was difficult for for us a little bit because we all came from two point five. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's where we were for like thirty years. Was two point five? Well, then. then... Then I'll actually ask you guys, because, you know, most of the people I spoke spoke to, uh, you know, had played third or fourth or went straight to fifth. Uh, what was your uh, initial reaction looking, you know, going from second or two and a half uh, to five? I, I was lost for a little while, to be honest. I was lost. Um, I, it, it took me a little bit to, to get used to the the new mechanic I'll say it really wasn't that different I think it was more uh more role play than than rules that's what we pushed when yeah. we, we we threw it at the table it's like okay guys we're going back to the old school it is rules light and role play heavy get behind your character talk it up show me your persona we'll worry about the rules later there you go I'm probably the only one that did play I played three three point five four um, three, I looked at, it, I went, eh, and 3.5 was just a huge money grab. Uh, four was so disappointing. I came just shy of burning the book. Oh, geez. Yeah. I, I was that on, I, I, I said, that's it. We're going back to 2.5, which is what we did. We went back to, you know, two, 2.5 until five came out. Yeah. I dabbled a little bit in three and 3.5. And then, then I fooled around a little bit with Pathfinder and, uh, that seemed really cumbersome to me. I, I kind of liked how it was a, a fine-tuned 3.5, but there was a there was a ton of material out there by the time I started really like getting getting into Pathfinder. And then four just it didn't speak to me. You know, it wasn't it didn't it didn't make my heart pitter patter or give me tingly feelings. Um so two point five was always where I ended up going back to. But but five Five I liked a lot because it did kind of remind me of the old days of, of, of D&D where it was, okay, you, all you really need is one book unless you run in the game. And uh, it was kind of rules light and um, there was a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of authority put back in the, the DM to make, um, you know, rules decisions or, you know, decisions on how things play out in the game. And I always really liked that part. It's, it's it's a lot like your know, first and second edition, yeah, with better rules, yeah. Like, and that's like not that's not a knock on Gary Gygax and the original designers, but like you, you can't compare the bar to the bar, right? Like right. they didn't have anything to base what they designed off of. 
they, you know, they were building the road as they went, you know, and 5e has the benefit of looking back at all the different editions, not the, and all the other RPGs that came afterwards. So, you know, it just makes sense that we just be better designed. Yeah. You have what? 40 some odd years, 50, 50, 50 of refinement, you know, so it's, it's going to be a lot sleeker. I still miss the Thackle yeah. system, though. <laughs> Man, I, I I play with my uh, I played D anD D with my kids. Uh, in fact, I actually legitimately had a, a session this afternoon. Uh, you know, my my daughter started playing RPGs uh, with the the box behind me. No, thank you, evil. Uh, you know, a couple months before she turned five. Uh, so I've I've been trying to indoctrinate my children early, <laughs> um, but. I, 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 as well as my kids handle math, I would not have any desire to try and explain to the kids the Thacko system. And since you brought it up, uh, you know, for any that, you know, follow these guys and you're look and you understand what Thacko is and you're looking for a laugh at a, you know, at, at somebody who's been playing this game for a long time, I'm fully admitting and throwing myself under the bus that, you know, because you have so many things that it's a it's a rule set where you have these created words. I totally thought Thacko was it's a name. It's just a thing. I, I did not know for a long time. I'm talking <laughs> years that Thacko meant two hit AC zero. Yeah, it's an acronym. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't know. And when one of my when one of my friends, you know, we got into a conversation years after years of playing and, you know, they spelled it out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Epiphany. Uh, you know, I, I, I delight in sharing that because, you know, to, to anyone who really played that edition, uh, I hope I hope I get all, all the laughs and they're well deserved. I, I d- highly doubt you were the only one. I highly doubt you're the only one. You to this day, you, there might be people going, "Really? R- wait, wait a minute, really? I'm not the only one." <laughs> Did any of you, any of you guys own the Thacko wheel? Yes, from Dragon Magazine. Yeah. You had to yes. cut it out and assemble it. Yep, that's the only thing I miss about Thacko was the wheel. <laughs> the wheel was pretty damn cool. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had the wheel, but I know I've definitely seen it. Uh, it's like I, it's like an artifact. Yeah, it is. I I, st- I wish I still had mine. It required assembly. If yes, I it did. Remember correctly. Yep. Yes. Yep. I miss Dragon Magazine very much. So you needed the uh, I don't know what are they called the ta- the tack that you push through and then it splits. Yeah, I was, oh, yeah. I was trying yeah. to name. I was trying to remember the name of that. I can't, can't remember the name of it. Either. Yeah. No. Oh, what is it? They yeah. were everywhere. You know, because that I mean that with three hole punches and. I, yeah, we're not going to remember. Yeah, we're not going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only there were some, this dinosaur like brain you know, is committed to other details. <laughs> if only there was some way that I could like reach out and look, look up this information. Yes, you know, <laughs> just reach out to the ethers somewhere, the border ethereal, and bring this information down. <laughs> well, back when that thing existed, there was nothing. Maybe you, maybe if if your family owned an encyclopedia, you could look it up. <laughs> Maybe it would be. There you go. There you go. But then you'd have to know what to look for. So, (laughs) yes. (laughs) So, uh, how and when did you guys um, uh, meet up and end up as friends? And um, did you meet through gaming or was it through some other? No. I was sleeping with Ted's sister, essentially. So, (laughs) giggity. Ted is my brother in law, as you mentioned earlier. Yes. Uh, I've been married to his sister for a long time now. Since 22 years. I think since 98, and I don't feel like doing the math. So it's 22 years. 22 years. Yeah, so the uh, the first time this dude, uh, you know, walked into, uh, into the house, I'm sitting there playing. I, I think I was playing a game of chess with my dad in the rare instances that that happened because my dad was more of a checkers than a chess guy, um, you know, and... And I was like, oh, this is just, you know, the sister's boyfriend. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And, you know, he comes in leather jacket and, uh, you know, flaming red hair. And I'm like, all right, what the <laughs> what the heck is this guy about? And, you know, long story short, eventually, you know, he schools me in chess because uh, I totally underestimated him, you know, based on the ripped jeans and leather jacket. 
uh, you know, you know, found out that, you know, he liked gaming too. And eventually, you know, we began gaming together and we've been, you know, fast friends ever since. And fast enemies, if you want to, you know, go down that road too. That's all. We've stuff. all been down that road. <laughs> <laughs> How did Nerdarchy get started? Uh, you know, what's the story behind it? So two guys that no longer have anything to do with Nerdarchy. Uh, one of them never did is what I attribute to starting Nerdarchy. Um, so I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur and, you know, have uh, tried a lot of things that have not worked over the years. Uh, and a friend of mine was kind of like my mentor in all things online. And at some point he was like, you should, you're a dungeon master. You should do something with D&D as a business. And I'm like, ah, there's, you can't make any money with that. Nobody cares about that. And, and then, you know, um, fast forward a little ways. And my brother was moving back uh, to the East coast from uh, New Mexico. And he's like, Hey, we should start some kind of business. Like let's do a website, maybe like indie board games or something. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really, I don't know if I'm really into that, but we can start something and we'll just start kind of like generic nerdy. And so we decided to do, you know, a YouTube channel and, and a website. And we were we went with back and forth with um, GoDaddy on every iteration of Nerd and Geek until we found something that we liked and, and wasn't taken. And that's that's essentially how Nerdarchy was born. And so we started the YouTube channel. We started poking around. And what we we, we discovered, uh, Andrew Armstrong, Dawn Forgecast, which I don't think his channel exists anymore. I think it recently vanished. And also Noah Atwaller Spoonie, both of which were, you know, one of them had like 20,000 subs. The other had like 30,000 subs. And they were talking about D&D and gaming. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe people are actually watching this. And, and so we so we started off kind of generic talking about different things. And, um, and you know, very early on, I, we asked Ted to join us and another friend of ours, Nate. To, to to get involved and it started off really generic for the first like seven months or so and that's when it was fourth of july weekend and i noticed the basic rules for 5e and i was like oh you guys want to look at these and talk about this this looks kind of cool um but there's some gaps that ted might want to fill in <laughs> uh, so it was one of those things, you know, Dave, David uh, approached me and said, uh, you know, hey, is this something that you would want to want to be into? Or are you interested in? Uh, and at that point in time, like, you know, I I was working from home. So my my work schedule was, you know, far more flexible than everybody else's. You know, I, I, I've got a job that allows me to like, oh, I'll work whenever I really feel like as long as the job gets done, the boss didn't mind. Um you know, so it was a little bit more freeing, a little bit more easy for me to to get involved. Um, you know, we started, as Dave says, doing very generic videos, you know, talking about, you know, board games, role-playing games in general, general nerdy topics. Uh, I, I myself, I've done uh, live action, ro- uh, live action role-playing. I've, I've, you know, heavily involved in board games, uh, but we didn't know where our company was going to specifically go. Uh, but because I had ran a LARP for you know years, you know we had actually begun thinking: of, Do we want to resurrect that game and restart our uh, you know the LARP that I I was a part of that I owned, whatever? Um, you know, we thought about you know do we want to invent our own game? So we we began like formulating designs and ideas for different things like. Uh, you know, we even started working on a couple of different rule sets, numerous meetings, different things where we're like we were talking about business partnerships with, you know, another pair of friends that like, well, I was going to own the, the, you know, a third of the LARP and the LARP was going to help, you know, or Nerdarchy was going to kind of help the LARP and, you know, whatever. So that was just a weird thing. Um you know, that never wound up getting up off the ground. The board game never wound up getting up off the ground. Uh, you know, and that leads us to, you know, this holiday weekend where, you know, we totally missed the whole concept of D&D Next that was out there, uh, you know, bridging the gap between 4th and 5th. And, 
you know, eventually next became fifth edition. And it's like, hey, do you want to talk about this thing? And everything that I loved about previous editions wound up being like, oh, you know, <laughs> here it is, you know, in fifth, all, all combined. And I'm like, I, we, we definitely need to get back into this. Uh, and it was just, you know, it wound up kind of springboarding from this general everything nerdy to like hyper focused on D and you know, now we've got, you know, 3000, you know, D and D videos on the channel. We've got the secondary channel for all of our, you know, uh, live content or long-term content. So yeah, doing a, doing a lot. Yeah. It, it's pretty inspiring to see how far nerdarchy nerd has come from its humble beginnings in Ted's basement to, ref, to the refined show it is now. Uh, this must give you guys a tremendous uh, sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite the journey. And, you know, we're always still trying to figure out, you know, how can we improve? How can we get better? I mean, you you mentioned the convention. That's like the next part of the evolution. It's tentatively scheduled for Halloween weekend of this this year. It was supposed to happen last year, but the world ended, as everyone knows. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, after at the tail end of a successful Kickstarter, we're like, well, what do we want to do? We're like, well, we want to we want to we want to throw a big party with all of our friends. And, you know, and the concept behind the convention, one, we, we've been kind of like percolating the idea of doing events in the past, you know, with the culmination of the, of the Kickstarter. It looked like we we're going to be able to do the event we really wanted to, which was like TwitchCon, VidCon meets, you know, your your favorite RPG convention we wanted to combine those elements uh, and you know uh we've we've have booked like most almost every big youtuber you know when we had been doing the planning at the time i think ne- nearly all of them said yes um except for like one person so you know that that was pretty exciting we'll see if we can get them all to say yes again uh for the <laughs> postponement yeah it's just it's a uh, you know well, well, Dave says, you know, it's an excuse to have a party. It's it's honestly, it is the next, uh, you know, evolution for us is to, you know, uh, you know, Nerdarchy is a business and we want to be able to to do the RPG space as our as our career uh, through through all its elements, um, you know, but we've been to, you know, quite a number of conventions and every, you know, all the conventions that, you know, are out there that, you know, get big, you know. And once they get to a certain point, you know, it, it crosses a threshold outside of the RPG space and it starts going into, you know, other other areas. Board games tend to come in and take it over. You know, uh, I've been to Gen Con a couple of times and, you know, it's it's mostly board games. You know, there's there's RPGs. There's plenty of room to go play the games and, and see those those particular vendors. Uh, but they're not they're not catering to the RPG crowd any anymore. Uh, you know, you got to go to like Gary Con and Gamehole Con to get, get you know more RPG experience. You know, but like, so we want to we want to focus on that RPG content. You know, we think that you know here on the East Coast, that's a that's a thing that we're we're kind of missing. Uh, so we want to make it happen. I can't wait to see it. I mean, I have flashbacks to Gen Con in the you know late eighties, early nineties uh, when I used to go out there a bunch of times, and and eighty percent of it was just RPGs. Everything revolved around Dungeons and Dragons and all the other games that were starting up, and yeah, the the board game session was even smaller than the artist Glen. <laughs> um, it was just a little segment, and you, you sometimes could play games, but that was it. And, uh, and it's the other way around now. Well, we're going to keep our eyes on Nerdarchy the convention because mm-hmm. you're in our backyard. We're, so. we're going. Oh yeah. So, how does it feel to achieve celebrity status amongst the RPG community? I'll let you know as soon as I get there. <laughs> well, for, what he said. <laughs> for for us, you know, you guys are in that celebrity status already. You know, we you know well, we love your show. You know, it's funny, right? Because when we first started, we were like a hundred thousand subs. That's got to be like the ceiling, you know. And now we're sitting at like one hundred and twenty-five. But like, there's this whole other crop of YouTubers that kind of came after us. And they're at like double what we have right now. So it's crazy to see how much the space has grown. And I really enjoy and love seeing these, this like next generation of uh, YouTubers kind of come up. Like we were like wave two or three 
And now these guys are like, and gals are like, you know, wave, you know, wave four or five. And you like, they're just so good at it. The content they create is, is so good. You know, they're all like in their early twenties. The, the old ones are like in, you know, the early thirties, but it's like, uh, but you can tell that they like really grew up intuitively knowing the plat and know the platform compared to like, we had to like learn a lot of stuff. We're still learning, you know, and I'm sure you guys, kind of can can commiserate as well absolutely yep. damn friggin kids <laughs> <laughs> punks you know, i i look at it and there are there are people that i've i've interacted with you know in person back when it was safe to do so where someone was like hey are you or you know what have you um you know there's a pseudo local convention uh, you know, here in Jersey that my wife and I, you know, attended for, for years. And, you know, a couple of years after I started doing Nerdarchy, um, I'm at the convention just, you know, strolling from, you know, market, you know, market stall to market stall, uh, just having a conversation. And a dude in front of me literally stops in his tracks, turns around, and is like, are you one of them Nerdarchy guys? You know, <laughs> and like so many people, like he doesn't, watch so much as listen because you know there's nothing visual about our our show it's you know so like a lot of people will just put youtube on and you know move on to another tab doing whatever it is that you're doing so like he recognized my voice and just in typical conversation uh he recognized like hey i think i know that voice which meant he listened to a lot of videos uh <laughs> so like, that was that was one of the first if not the first you know, times I was spotted in the wild. Um, but then like, there's been many times since just in, uh, you know, in my day to day life where like I've encountered somebody who's a fan and literally, uh, just the other day, I've got like one of them like magnetic gamer things on my, uh, on my car. And, uh, you know, the guy who was pumping gas happened to happen to say something to me, you know, I'm like, yeah hi um you know but like to me that doesn't really attribute it as celebrity status like there's a difference between like oh you're known to like celebrity oh your your modesty is refreshing (laughs) (laughs) we we refer to ourselves as z-list celebrities (laughs) i think that's fair i mean you know perhaps we might get up to you know V or U someday, but no, it's not a, it's it's not expected to be, you know, super high. We love the first uh, season of Save or Dice. We're fans of Nerdarchy and WebDM. How did that show come to be? So, uh, Save or Dice, um, Cody basically approached from Taking 20, approached a bunch of us and, hey, you want to do, you know, do you want to do a game and, uh, do you want to, you know, basically, the, I guess the concept is like your favorite YouTubers play day and day. Um, so he he approached a few of us to do that, and we we started, and that's essentially how it started. We just said yes, um, and and I guess we did it for you know we did it for a couple of years. Uh, me and Cody ended up owning the Saver Dice brand and company. Um, the other guys weren't really interested in doing anything long-term they didn't you know like they're not we're just not sure where this is going if this is going to pan out or whatever and and you know so cody had kind of come, come back to me and said that he's like do you want to be you know w9 as well i'm like no nah, cody if i'm going to do something i might as well own a piece of it um or it's not really worth it for me to do it so you know me and him ended up owning it and then kind of evolved and it was as far as streamed games go as a commercial venture, it was very, it was pretty successful. Like we paid all of our cast, you know, the dungeon whoever was running the season got paid a little bit more, but yeah, the problem with Saver dice at the end was it took a lot of, it took a lot of time and energy and it was really hard to keep getting sponsors in order to keep it going. And I also didn't feel like we were giving enough of a return to those sponsors to justify them coming back either. Uh, they, they were all awesome. But at the end of the day, like as a show that we would get like a hundred people watching, which is really good for a stream show. It's to me, wasn't commercially viable for those sponsors. 
Um, and that's the problem all stream games have. If you want to do them and be able to pay your cast. I watched all of it and uh, I was, I was oh. sad when I couldn't find any more. It was fun. Like it was a, like it was a great cast. It was, you know, even when we had people kind of like rotating in and out and then we kind of settled on the last cast, you know, you know, Jacob and guy and, and Lauren and Mike and, and Cody, they were also my favorite people. We even did, um, we did a live, a live game at uh Gen Con that a uh, guy had ran, uh, which was, you know, which was a blast. Uh, and they're all just like super talented. So tell us about nerd Archicon. Nerdarchy Con, like conceptually, it was it is, you know, VidCon meets you know Gamehole Con or Gary Gary Con, like that that kind of convention. Except for there were some things that we wanted to do. One, we wanted to bring YouTubers in and treat them the way we felt we never really got treated as you know you know guest the cons or at cons. You know, we wanted to make it kind of about those personalities and have people come and be able to hang out and see them in panels and play games with them. Um, like, so, so that was, and then it kind of expanded from there. Right. As, as we kind of got plugged in more with the actual play crowd and the, uh, the streaming crowd. So we wanted to incorporate podcasters and streamers as well as YouTubers in, into it as well. Um, so, so essentially that was, and the other thing is like, like kind of like my pet peeve is like, you go to these conventions you pay for your badge. It's very expensive to get there and stay. And then you have to buy like tokens to get into the games for like these GMs that are kind of volunteering to run the games. So we, we didn't want to have, you know, people have to pay to get into the games either. Like that was one of my things. So the idea is, you know, once you buy your badge, short of whatever merch and stuff you're buying, like you're set, you can go to your panels, you can play your games. You know, you don't have any further, you know, out, out of pocket, you know, that you have, have to do, which makes it, you know, that much more enjoyable, that much more, you know, appealing, you know, to the, to the fan base, to the, to the people, uh, you know, as Dave says, you know, the, the chance to actually see and potentially interact with, you know, as, you know, to use that term loosely celebrities, you know, these people that, you know, the fans are going to like sit and watch and want to listen to at home, you know, now they can do it, you know, in a close thing, you know, have, have that chance to have, you know, if, if the panel is open to questions of like, Oh, now you can ask those questions and do those kinds of things. Um, you know, some of the, the people we were planning to bring in, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, have, uh, again, using that term loosely, celebrity games. So like, oh, you know, you want to game with a YouTuber, you know, here's, to, you know, t- technically a way to, to make that happen. Uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, having a, a VIP party, you know, so like the people who buy, you know, the, the higher tier badge would be able to be getting in, you know, early and actually get uh, access to a party with all of these people. Um, you know, that was the initial plan. Hopefully, you know, this is still <laughs> going to be able to happen. Once the uh, the end times are over and, and resuming life as normal, yeah, you know, like so, like the idea was like if you're gonna pay to be in a game, you're gonna pay. It's gonna be a little bit expensive, and you're gonna play like with Satine Phoenix, and it's for charity, right? Like so that you know that's kind of like we want to do. Also, like one of the things we were doing is like getting all of our VIP people, um, our you know guests guests to like all of them had agreed to do at least one public game where. You just like there's a chance if you got to you could sign up and be in Satine's game or or in a game, you know, run by Guy Schlandler's how to be a great GM uh, or, you know, or whoever was on the roster. Some of these people that maybe you've been watching play games for years. Well, now they might be your GM for a session. That's cool. That's, That's a cool. very good idea. Very good idea. The, the ultimate yeah, in the accessibility. accessibility. Yeah. So the next question I, I, I had for you guys is um, what is your GMing style and philosophy? All right, so Dave, Dave's raising his eyebrows, so I'll jump in. Uh, this is one of <laughs> one of those things that uh, I think from early on, Dave and I definitely had uh, very different ideas about you know philosophy for GMing, and both of us wound up evolving over the years. So I think you know currently it's you know very improv style, very very much about the story than it is about, you know, an individual player or a player character. Um, 
you know, we, we're not heavy prep GMs. It's not one of those things where, like, you know, we spend hours trying to figure out what have yous. A lot of times, you know, one to three sentences with potentially a monster, you know, or a combat thought of in advance. But, like, that's just conceptually, not things written down. And then you just you just go. Uh, me, personally, I'm fond of the question of, uh, okay, what are you doing? And I'm very reactionary. I I went into today's session that, that I ran for my kids of like, well, this is potentially what they're going to do. But I've, I've got uh, two 12-year-olds, a 14-year-old, uh, an 8-year-old, and a single adult. You know, one of, the, one of those kids' fathers in the group. It could go any which way. <laughs> it went from, let's completely ignore this plan, to we need to go make bee costumes so that we can sneak into the beehive uh, <laughs> to, you know, everywhere in between. They never got to the hive. You know, we got to it. Please tell me they made bee costumes. Uh, sad, sadly, uh, I don't know whether it was my, my son's health. You know, he was, you know, He's like, you know, off air, I, you know, my, uh, my, my son was, you know, having a dental issues and he had to have a tooth extracted today. But like right from moment one, he was, you know, both my kids were dead set against whatever the other was trying to do. So my daughter, who ate, was like, we need to find out if we can get bee costumes made so that we can sneak in as bees. And, you know, my son was like, that's a dumb idea. Meanwhile, me as the, the DM is like, I love this. <laughs> so, like, I just start thinking about what they need. The rest of the players were on board, and the only issue was it was going to take too long to to collect ingredients and fabricate five B costumes for the party. I would have changed the time man. to allow this to happen. <laughs> I'm with you. I would have done the same thing. That's <laughs> Well, once once I figured out like you know a thing and told them like there was no modifications, they took the information and were like, nah, fold this. So like you know the the the, the players have uh, have gotten themselves a dwelling with like goblins that have moved in. It started off with one, and there's now three. And by the time they come back, there'll probably be more. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's been an ongoing thing, a running running joke that, you know, the players find funny and the characters find irritating. Uh, but, like, the, one of the goblins is sitting there, you know, drawing the bee costumes and what have you with, like, the individual characters involved. And, you know, uh, the, the grung ranger is like, yeah, uh, I don't think we're going to do that. And, like, the look of frustration as he's, like, about to, to like, just junk the work that he spent the last half hour doing. He's like, no, 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 we don't need to, we don't need to get rid of it. We might want, want bee costumes later. <laughs> that, that pacified the goblin. Uh, because the grung still wants a bee costume, but the dragonborn is definitely not interested in putting on a giant bee outfit. Uh, so the session was loaded with uh, a lot of bee puns today. You know, so it definitely uh, it was quite a lot of fun for the for those who found it uh, humorous, which is most of them. And they were not directed by me. It was like, you know, I added a couple, but it was, you know, one of the other players who, who came loaded with, with a whole bunch of B puns ready to ready to be delivered. What about you, Dave? Uh, but what, what was the question again? Uh, no. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I went way off, uh, way off base. But the, I, the question was like, you know, what is your DM style? So, you know, I like Ted said, you know, we both are kind of very improv, and you know, like to go off of whatever the players are are doing. Um, you know, I generally will write down a couple sentences before we go into it. Now, I used to like, I used to write it out like it was a module or an adventure. You know, you might buy. Right. Uh, and and from there, it evolved to flow charts from there to like I write down three sentences and have one encounter planned in my back pocket, you know, and kind of know what the story beats are. And that just came from like writing the module style adventure. And my players being like, yeah, we're not leaving the tavern. We want to actually we want we want to live in this tavern and we want to sell beer instead of, <laughs> you know, adventure. And I'm just like, 
crumple this up, throw it away. I guess we won't be using that. Uh, it, so, so that's like how my style has kind of evolved. Um, and I just, I do love playing with players just that want to do things uh, and react into what they want to do and just kind of going with it. Well, it, it comes from, you know, years worth of playing uh, with players who are, are willing to do that and say things. Like if you've got a player who is waiting for, you know, the DM prompt, here's the quest hook. All right. Well, then that that's a lot harder to, to do, you know, an improv style unless like you're going to pull one of these books off the shelf and run a prepared adventure. Um, but we've looked for players who go down that road of I come to the table ready with things that I want my character to do or to be able to do. And if you've got those kind of things, like you are that ideal player because, well, if the story's not moving forward, my story is moving forward and you've got things to do. Um, you know, and then, you know, as Dave says, you know, that whole, I'm going to go left when you wrote material for right, it has utterly, you know, changed what we have to do as GMs. And there's been so many times, you know, throughout all of the editions where, you know, players have forced that choice, uh, you know, or taken that choice away from us and forced us to have to go into that style. Um, and I'm going to throw Dave under the bus here because, you know, <laughs> uh, my, my earliest recollection of that improv style was something that his his wizard did in second edition. Uh, you know, we were playing a game, it was totally just a one shot uh, at a you know random get together. And uh, he decided he's going to play a wizard, you know, more more the enchanter type. And I start coming up with this story of what I'm going to do and I start planning stuff. And the first thing that happens, as they always do, we go to the tavern and Dave casts Charm Person on the waitress. And <laughs> things go sideways from there. Uh, and I'm not going to go into details to, you know, defame any character <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Uh, but the, the concept of the story totally changed uh, as, you know, a new business endeavor was created. Uh, and I had to, <laughs> I had to really think about what kind of issues and problems and things could happen. Uh, but it, it forced me to have to rethink as a GM, like, okay, what might, what might my players do? What, what do I want them to do? But I'm not going to just like, I'm going to shove a story down someone's throat. Let's just have fun. Uh, but I've run in fifth edition, every style of game where I've literally come to the table with nothing prepared and just react to everything that the players do to I'm going to run a story where, um, you know, it's a 12 session story arc. Here's what happens. You know, the players had the ability to make choices, but you know, there was only so many options like, Oh, you get sucked through a portal. You're stuck running through this dungeon. The exits might come in a variety of different ways, you know, but in the end, I had a loose, a loose storyline of what these 12 episodes of an arc look like, you know, and there was a, definitely a lot more crafted, a lot more prepped with, uh, you know, what the dungeon room looked like, what, what monsters were there, uh, you know, so, I mean, I've, I've played both sides, you know, of what that, you know, preparing material is like, you know, just within the, the realm of fifth. Here's the big question. Do either of you use a screen? <laughs> I do, but there's generally nothing on the other side of it, and I roll my dice in the open. Oh, can you do that? That that's yeah. that seems like such a political answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, He's you playing can, to both you sides. Roll, you can roll your dice in the open, uh, you know, and that's 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 been that way, you know, throughout numerous editions. Uh, I run a screen, but usually, like, it's you know to hide more the minis than anything else that I might be preparing. Um, it's I'm, to hide I'm the more... lack of our notes. <laughs> the lack of notes is definitely a good thing. Um, mo most days I run off of a laptop with a, a Google Doc open uh, so I can access, the, you know, not necessarily the material that I've written, but the material that I've written from previous episodes, like, you know, NPC names, locations, uh, clues of like, hey, uh, which characters ate the quote unquote bee meat 
or bee stakes <laughs> um, to see what kind of effects might wind up happening from that. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely some things that are that are out there. But you know that the improv style can be a lot of fun when you've got the the experience and the comfortability to just be able to react when a player says X. But we've also got fantastic players who want to do things who, when you actually give them agency of, hey, what do you find interesting or what happens here, you know, the players are going to insert what appeals them to the most. Oh, are you looking for a combat? Boom, here's a fight. Oh, are you looking for something else? Okay, boom. You know, it happens. Yeah, we're big uh, proponents of the bullet points. That's how we usually write things out. <laughs> Very similar. Just a few lines, an encounter or two, a couple of randoms, maybe a few items, and, and off it goes. D&D Beyond is awesome for that style of play because it is just so quick to bring things up. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we started playing around with that a couple months ago, and it's uh, it, it's a pretty handy tool. It's really cool. I, I think I would be crippled if I did not have access to D&D Beyond after using it for as long as we have. So what does the future hold for Nerdarchy? Uh, I think where we're headed now is more publishing. We're in the process of delivering, finishing up delivering our first Kickstarter. Uh, with you know, uh, 2020 and the pandemic, there's been several um, obstacles that we've had to overcome that we weren't anticipating overcoming. Uh, but we are we're getting we're very close to being done with delivering on that. And then and then it'll be on to our next Kickstarter, because that seems to be the way to fund a RPG based business in this day and age. You know, we're we're going to, you know, uh, we, we've done one successful Kickstarter, you know, ho- hoping, you know, we've got we've got plans for, you know, quite, you know, quite a bit uh, of, of the next several Kickstarters. Um you know, we, we like the idea of not trying to start one, uh, you know, start the next one until, every, you know, the, the other ones have been, you know, shipped. Uh, just that everybody, you know, gets their thing to, to, you know, be able to say, hey, all right, I got my thing. I love my thing. Let's let's support them again. Um, but, you know, we've got the we've got the convention that we're hoping, you know, will will happen in the near ish future, depending upon, you know, safety features. Um you know, Corona definitely, you know, did a number on us, uh, COVID-19, whatever. Uh, but it's a, it's a scenario where, like, we, you know, we, we've grown to creating the, the second live channel, which has been quite a lot of fun. You know, we bring on guests Monday through Friday to, uh, you know, have a hour long conversation with Dave. That's at noon on Eastern. Uh, we've got a, you know, a rotating GM schedule for our Tuesday night game. Uh, which uh, actually, I know this is probably going to come out after the fact, but uh, tomorrow night, uh, you know, January nineteenth, uh, yeah, yeah, January nineteenth, uh, I'll be running my f- first session of a new new game using the fifth edition rule set called Dungeons and Delving. Uh, it's set in the future with a you know D and D meets like American Ninja Warrior meets like competition show style uh, scenario. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of, a lot of fun things planned there. Uh, you know, we just finished up Dave's cipher system game of moon rises, which was an absolute blast. And then, you know, we'll move on to the next GM, you know, after that game. So it's fun to, you know, be able to bounce back and forth between D and D and some other role-playing games, uh, on, on the channel, just to show that it's not just all about D and D. Tell our listeners about out of the box encounters. So out-of-the-box encounters is 55 uh, drop-in, ready-to-play encounters for all different types of environments and play styles and levels. And it's it's less about, like, your typical D&D counter and more about something happens, right? Like, they're not, they're not all combat encounters. It was actually really hard for us to systemize, systematize, you know, the encounters – by level because we're like, well, they're not really, it's not 55 fights. That's not exactly, that's not the, not the concept. Uh, Mike Gould, our lead designer on that, who is a gamer with tons of experience, thinks about encounters from like all the different weird ways players can tackle them. And like, he really like pulls that and tweaks at those things to create these like unique play experiences. 
Um, so he created 50 of those. And we brought on five guest creators, James Intercasa, uh, Guy Slanders, uh, Lisa Penrose, Jacob Fudds from XP to level three. And who was the last one, Ted? Who am I forgetting? Uh, you're going to make me pull it out and check. Because uh, I'm horrible at that as well. Don't um, stop thinking. It's uh, <laughs> CJ Long. Yep. Is the final one. So, you know, they each did a guest spot. Mark Knight did maps and minis for them, which look fantastic. And we're waiting for those to be finished uh, being produced so that we can ship out the, the last of the the rewards. But uh, yeah, it was a, it's a fun experience. And, and, you know, we tweaked and worked on a lot of the counters, even though we weren't the lead designers. So even when I go in and I'll pull an encounter from there and run it in a game, uh, you know, I've found them super useful and fun to fun to run. So we've kind of worked more as like the publisher um, on that project. So, I mean, there's some things that had to be, you know, a little bit rewritten because of monster elements that were designed uh, or monster elements that were selected. Uh, you know, we have to follow by what's in the, what's in the SRD. So some things were, you know, created a whole, whole cloth. Um, you know, so, some things are, you know, in here that, as Dave says, you know, it's not just, you know, 55 combats, 55 fights. It, it, it approaches the, the scenario of, as a DM, you might not show, you might not have an idea of what your players are going to do. Here is something that you can, you know, put out there and kind of test the waters of, well, how does it, how does your player who are used, your players who are used to combat, how are they going to handle this other thing? So some things could be hazards. Some things could be, you know, social encounters, something that just might be an odd situation where what do you do? Some things have fights that could possibly be avoided. Some things are like, this is just a straight up fight. Um, you know, so if you're looking for that, that ideal uh, accompaniment for crap, I don't know what to do here. And you're familiar with the layout of this book. Like you can find something that you can be able to use or modify and use to fit your game, your need, your table. Yeah. Also, every encounter has a map and uh, an image that goes along with it. That's cool. That is great. So you can theoretically pull it right out of the book, drop it into your your campaign if you, you know, maybe didn't prepare as 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 well as you could have, or if you had a rough week at work, you could just drop it on your table and you're ready to go. Or your player could go in a direction you weren't expecting. Yeah. That you know, never I, happens. I just, I just, oh, yeah. It just, uh, <laughs> sounds so unique. I just, uh, thank goodness we've never had to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. I, open, I open to a random one. It's backstabber. The environment is dungeon. Suggested level is too easy. Monster a swarm of daggers. It gives a suggested treasure. Uh, and then it has an introduction, a description. And the thing that's most useful is there is a complication section. And it's not how to make this thing more dangerous for the players it's as a gm what kind of things can happen that you might not be ready for uh so like you know oh this is potentially lethal at low levels you can reduce the the thing uh you know so it's not doing you know quite as much uh you know it talks about you know modifying the you know the thing but you know you shouldn't be disheartened you know sometimes a character needs a bloody nose to realize the adventure world is a dangerous place, and that's okay. Uh, they become smarter for it or become really good at rolling new characters. Hopefully this style <laughs> of something from column A and something from column B encounter building inspires creativity in both you and the players. Uh, you know, so that's, you know, right, right out of the book. So not only is it, you know, filled with 55 useful encounters, but every one of them has that complication section so it's full of like loads of GM tips as well, specifically based off of the encounter that it's in. It's why, it's why we love it. It's why we, you know, you know, we wanted to put, you know, th this out there and, you know, educate everyone because that really goes along with everything that we've been doing. And that's our episode of Nerdarchy. You can find these nerds on the web over at nerdarchy.com. Interested in a convention put together by Nerdarchy? And who wouldn't be? Head over to nerdarchycon.com for details. 
And if you're interested in tons of videos related to D&D and other role-playing games, go hang out with Dave and Ted in Ted's basement over on YouTube. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you coming on and joining Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. It was really, really cool. It was really awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.